Welcome to Enroute to Success, where we have raw, vulnerable conversations between Fitz DeSanto, Sam Boyer, and many talented individuals, unraveling the truths and principles of people's experiences, methods to grow, and discovering how to live a fulfilling lifestyle. Buckle up, the journey begins now. Hey, 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 friends. How are you guys doing today? Welcome, welcome to our podcast. I'm joined by my co-host here, Sam, the DJ voice. How are you today? DJ voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, Fitz. I'm, I'm doing well as usual. Excited to uh, speak with our special guest here today. Absolutely. Let's get into that. So our special guest today is really success with Miss Kelly Curtis. So Kelly's a good friend of mine and really has such a unique, powerful story. I worked with Kelly when I was in the fitness industry myself. I got to say, I had a really great time working with you, Kelly. And coming from being a dancer in such a young age, one of the most fun thing you could do with Kelly is take her spin class because it's it's guaranteed that you'll have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the story of hitting rock bottom that really includes a lot of drug addiction and alcoholism to now owning your own and running your own fitness studio owner. I'm really excited how we uncovered this. So without further ado, welcome. Welcome, Thank Kelly you. Curtis. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate the time you put into us here and I'm excited to share your story with our listeners out there. To begin with, I'd like to really just check in, like maybe you could have a high overview of your background, your origin story, where Kelly is from, the story of your struggles and where you are today. I know that's a lot, but just mm -hmm. take your time and, and okay. what's really coming from your heart and what you wanted to share. And then you can just peel it off later on. Well, again, thank you for having me. Of I'm course. To be here. Well, I grew up in Orange County, Huntington mm -hmm. Beach and Newport Beach. I come from a pretty good family. I mean, my childhood wasn't too crazy. I, uh, dance, I started dancing at the age of two. I danced for about 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a huge part of my life. I had a great mother and father. Um, I have one sister. My mom and dad were together until I was about 12 and then they divorced. So in high school, I, I'm sorry, after my parents divorced, I really started to kind of rebel. And that's when I got into drinking. I think I took my, dr my first drink at the age of 14 mm -hmm. with my best friend mm -hmm. in my bedroom when my mom and my sister were at Disneyland or something. The first drink I ever had, I blacked out. So mm -hmm. I don't really remember much about that night. I do remember, however, when I took the drink, I just felt like everything was okay. Every bit of anxiety or um, that sense of not belonging or that sense of not fitting in um, just kind of went away. And I had to have more of it. Mm -hmm. So after that, all through high school, I partied my ass off. Uh, going to a party, I had to have alcohol if I couldn't get it. Kind of made me angry. Mm. But I also ran with a group that kind of, you know, did the same thing. And I didn't really think I had a problem in high school. Um, but then it continued after high school. I went to college for a couple of years. I, I mean, I know I got my associates, but never finished my bachelor's um, because like I said, I just couldn't stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like going into my 20s, I started to lose relationships. People started to notice Kelly is wasted before we even pick her up to go out. <laughs> mm. um, just because I had to have it to feel comfortable. Like, I, did, I just felt so uncomfortable and so uncomfortable in my skin um, mm. without it. But I wasn't a good drunk. I mean, I would drink four or five drinks and pass out. It didn't, didn't really matter where I was. I would pass out on a lawn chair. I would pass out in the club. I would pass out mm -hmm. on someone's couch. And my friends had to take care of me. Started to get really annoyed by that. 
And so I started to lose relationship. Um, I met my ex-husband when I was 19 and he was a big partier as well. We dated on and off for about 10 years and ended up getting married, but he was at the time prescribed Klonopin, which is an anti-anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. And I quickly found out that that would cure my hangovers in the morning. Really? So I, I, write start- that down. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to take those and then I started stealing them. Mm-hmm. And then when he caught on to that, I um, started taking my dog to different vets because, and I would tell the vets that my dog had a hard time in the car and that we needed anti-anxiety medication for my dog <laughs> and did the research and doggy mm-hmm. Xanax is the same as human Xanax. Wow. So um, I had about six different vets going who would prescribe me six different prescriptions of Xanax or doggy value. Um, and so that on top of alcohol is a terrible combination. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very deadly if you take too much and it is the worst detox and the most dangerous detox wow. um, when trying to come off of it. Anyways, I started lying about my drinking, started hiding it, started, I mean, I hid everything. Everything was a lie. I couldn't keep my life straight. But while I was doing that, I still had a very successful career in fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knew. Like it was like I was li- living yes. a double life for a long time, living a double life. I would do fitness during the day and then come home and drink. Until those worlds started to come together, I started drinking before teaching and um, I taught several spin classes, drunk or in a blackout, um, trampoline classes Yep, in a blackout. Uh, <laughs> um, and still nobody really questioned anything except, I mean, my family did, of course, my family knew. Um, and so I don't really remember what my rock bottom was. I just knew I didn't, I was, I was just, I was just tired. Yeah. I was exhausted from all the lives. I was, I just didn't want to live that life. I was miserable. It, I mean, that life is torture. Mm-hmm. I just, it wasn't fun anymore. It hadn't been fun for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I went to my first outpatient rehab, which is a 30 day program where you go for like two or three hours and you sit in a group, you talk, you start to work the steps, let's be going to AA meetings. So I stayed sober for 30 days while I went to that program. And then I think I drank like two days after a couple more years went by. Um, I think I had a few months here and there of sobriety, but always went back to alcohol and, um, and Xanax and Klonopin and all that stuff. Um, So relapse is a huge part of my story. Um, and then in 2014, my family had an intervention and, um, they asked me if I would go to an inpatient treatment. And I was like, yes, yeah, just please just take me. I'll go wherever you want me Mm -hmm. to go. Cause I just couldn't stop. I could probably stop drinking. I just couldn't stop taking the pills every time I, that just wasn't possible Mm -hmm. because I was taking so much and I would either feel like I was going to get a seizure or I don't know. I was just scared out of my mind. Mm-hmm. So I went to a 90 day treatment um, facility and where I lived in a house with 10 other girls. And, uh, you know, we went to meetings, we did a ton of work. We had a, a therapist every day. Uh, we learned, <laughs> we learned how to do life as well as get sober. We, we learned how to cook. We learned how to clean. We learned, you know, just everything. How, I mean, cause I didn't really know how to live life as a sober person. You know, I didn't alcohol and drugs were the center of my world. And, um, doing anything without that was just severely uncomfortable. I made it through that. It was a great program. Um, came out of that. I moved back in with my, um, at the time husband, I managed to stay sober for four years, but towards the end of those four years, my husband and I separated. Mm-hmm. So we set all in one year, we separated. I had a big career change. I don't remember. A couple other things happened, but too many things started happening. Mm-hmm. And I stopped going to meetings and I stopped reaching out to my 
uh, support system. And I eventually just, I ended up relapsing again. Mm -hmm. So I was out there for about two months drinking and I went back to the pills as well. And um, again, I just ended up in my apartment alone, drinking and downing pills, Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing, I mean, nothing else. It was just a very lonely existence. Um, I felt hopeless. Um, And so I had a friend who had gone to Hope Hospital to their treatment center. And he asked me if he, if I wanted him to take me, take me to detox. And I said, yes, right away. He took me to detox, went through the most horrible detox of my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it was, it was pure terror. Went to their inpatient 30 day program. And um, I've been sober ever since. I'll have three years in March. Now you own your own fitness studio, changing lives yeah. every day, <laughs> one heart at a time. Kelly, that's such a powerful story. And I really appreciate you taking that time and giving that information because it's really moving. I'm sitting here, right? And you're sitting on the other side. Of the- I'm just fascinated by the in- current events. You know, I, I got to warn you, I have a lot of notes because we're going to unpeel that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's but- a lot of stuff we don't know. You know? I know we've been friends for a long time, yeah. but. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of details in there. For me, right, I want to backtrack a little bit with your story of having that drug addiction, alcoholism, and how it began. Can you walk us through, if you would think about it, can you walk us through how you felt when you said you were kind of a rebel? Like, is there anything that happened that prompted it or that you turn and lean into that alcoholism when you were 14 or wherever it is? As early as I can remember, I felt different. I felt uncomfortable in my skin. Um, I was, I had social anxiety. I had, um, I mean, I was in therapy in third grade because Mm. I was afraid for my parents to leave. Um, Every time I left, I felt like they wouldn't come back. Nothing had happened either, like nothing. I just had this incredible anxiety. Although I was well-liked, I was popular, but I just didn't feel, I just felt like something was wrong Mm -hmm. all the time. And- Do you think that contributed to- how you turn into turning into the alcoholism. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cause I mean, alcoholism and drug addiction is an inside problem. Sure. I mean, alcohol, that's just, alcohol is just the bandaid, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why, I mean, you can take the alcohol and drugs out of your system. If you don't do the internal work, it's great that you're not drinking anymore, mm-hmm. but you just like, you're, you'll never feel that sense of freedom. If you don't do the real work I had to, once I, once I stopped drinking, I had to do the work to figure out why I was so anxious, why I was, the way I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know if this had something to do with it, but my, when my parents got divorced, my dad had an affair and left my mom. And I saw my mom just in like this tragic state for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I kind of felt, I didn't realize this until actually the last couple of years that I felt abandoned by my dad. Although we always had a relationship. I don't, I think that had a lot now looking back on it. I think I had a lot that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not blaming the divorce on my alcoholism. I'm just saying it contributed to the feelings inside. So Kelly, I mean, for me, I really want to, this is where it really gets raw, you guys. And <laughs> thank you, Kelly, for being vulnerable because like, would you say that that was rock bottom for you? Uh, worse at your worst? And if it is, what prompted you to actually like to shift to get better, right? Like, because like what, if you could walk us through that notion and your thought process, it's like, I'm not going to die today. You know, like, so walk us through like what was going through Kelly's mind and mindset. I mean, I think people can have more than one rock bottoms. Of course. Um, Yeah. I was just, like I said, I felt hopeless. I didn't know what to do anymore. 
I was losing relationships. I was on the verge of losing my family. Um, I was in a tiny studio apartment, just like I was just a shell of a person. And I was scared. I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know. I, was, I, I'm the type of person that will never give up no matter hard, how hard it gets. Um, and I just didn't want to live like that anymore. Like it was a terrible existence. Mm-hmm. What were you scared about when you said you were scared? Were you scared of? I was scared I was going to die, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I was scared I was going to die. I was scared I was never going to be able to get these relationships back. I was scared I was never going to feel okay inside. I was scared I was never going to love myself again. I was, I just, I hated myself so much. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how much I hated mm-hmm. myself. So as you turn yeah. that page and then walk us through and like, you like, what was your thought process? Did you, like for me, whenever I'm like really depressed, I'm like, okay, fits today, do at least one thing that's productive and then just add another one tomorrow. That's, that's just how I, how I process. But at that moment, when you were really like feeling the way you felt, what was that emotion that kind of like, I would say, grab you and scoop you off? Like Kelly, this is going to be okay. Like, what was it like? To be honest, I had to, like, I had to be offered the chance to get better. Like, I don't know if I would have done it on mm-hmm. my own. I was, cause I was just always inebriated. I mean, if someone were to just take my hand and pull me and say, okay, this is what you have to do. I would have been like, yes, please just tell me whatever I have to do. I'll do it. I just want to get better. What was that chance that you had? Who like did someone, the first, your well, friend? The first time my, um, my family had an intervention. Hmm. So I had already been going to AA meetings and I had a sponsor and I was really trying to get sober on my own or not my own, but just with just AA, not having to go to treatment. So I was already connected in that circle to um, pay for treatment or pay for half of it, whatever insurance didn't um, cover. And I mean, my family stopped their life to get me better. Hmm. Like they had to go to a lot of family therapy. Um, They had to get involved because it's a family problem. Like, got it. It really is a family problem. It's not just a, you know, I was affecting the lives of so many other people, not just myself. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, very selfish disease because all I was thinking about when I was drinking and taking drugs is myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking, thinking about just how, just, I don't know, just how hopeless I was, how horrible my life was, how much I just didn't like myself. I didn't like the person I was, mm-hmm. you know? And the second time, my friend Barry, he um, asked me if I, he wouldn't take me to detox. And I said, yes, but if he hadn't have done that, I think eventually, cause I had, I, at my second time around, I knew how great life could get, Got it. you know, being sober. Cause I was going to ask what made you say yes. Cause you could easily say no. Right. Yeah. So I knew how great life could be because in my, in that four years that I was sober, the first three years, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. I built up a big name for myself in the fitness industry. You did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and I, you know, I worked my ass off. I have a really strong work, work ethic. So I just, you know, worked, but that's really all I did mm-hmm. was work. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of balance in my life, but anyways, I'm getting off track, but um, yeah, I just wanted to get that sense of freedom back. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really powerful. And thank you for sharing that and letting me dig deep. Sam, do you have any other yeah, something that I'm <clears throat> curious about from like a fitness standpoint, when you were saying how like kind of early on, you know, you, the the lines were separated where, you know, after work would be, you know, where the drinking and stuff would come into play. And then, you know, you would work during the day. And then even when it transitioned into drinking before classes, but like no one, still no one knew, mm-hmm. especially with fitness, 
and like taking care of your body is such a huge thing. How, like, how did you get through that? Cause I'm thinking back to like playing sports. And I mean, if I ate McDonald's the night before and then had to run in the morning, like I was over on the side, like throwing up cause I couldn't run. So I'm trying to like picture my, my body just can't handle that. So like, what, what was the feeling I guess? And how did you actually maintain that level of like coaching? Yeah, especially teaching too. You're right. Yeah. Like all these people, right? So I don't no, know, man. I mean, like still people still <laughs> ask me to that day. I have no idea. No, I mean, like, I think I've gone to one of those Kelly and you look normal, right? Like it was, I mean, people could have smelled me and sure. I don't know, as far as I know, no one, no one knew, you know, but, um, I always kind of knew my, my limit. Like I knew, like, mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't I just see. get, you know, crazy wasted before a class I would just have enough to make me feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um but yeah I don't I don't know how I did it (laughs) yeah yeah. I mean I could go 100 miles an hour on a spin bike just totally buzzed I don't know yeah I have no I that's I I think it's the balance and and the grit of it's adrenaline yeah fitness is a lot of especially teaching is a lot of adrenaline yes yeah yes I can Mm -hmm. attest to that yeah let's let's talk about that so I want to I want to get into also the fitness side, right? In relates to, I have to say, Kelly, let's talk about how you get into the fitness world. And I know you're there and very successful in it today. And I got to say, whenever I'm in your class, I'm like, I'm having so much fun, right? It's like, I, I got to have a loyal badge. I'm the only one that's always first in class all the time, you know? And, and I know, Kelly, you could speak to this and you can edit it out if you don't want me to say it. But to all our listeners out there, if you know Kelly, Kelly's like the sweetest girl that you talk to, and Sam, you could attest to it now at this point. But mm-hmm. when she's up on that stage, she becomes like this gangster, super good, <laughs> just having a great time. And Kelly, just watching you teach, I have to say, is probably one of the most genuine and moving a person can experience in a class. Because for me, that's the reason why I go to your class. So Tell us, like, when you talk about like, the adrenaline, talk to us about, like, because me watching you up there is like, I could totally see how a great time you're having, right? Even to a point that I know Kelly in a personal level, if we would talk about both of our issues, you know, and I know that if Kelly's going through something, but when she's up there, it's almost like when you're up in that podium and you're teaching, it's almost like, I know it's your calling because I could just feel it, you know, I could feel that you enjoy what you do. You love from the music to the detail to the organization to, you know, I have to say when I first took Kelly's class, I was scared of her a little bit. I was like, and she asked me, she's like, what did you think? I thought thought you were crazy, but at the same time, I kept coming back. So (laughs) anyway, so yeah, walk us through and what's, what's going on when you hit play in that class. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I just genuinely love, love it. Yeah. You know, um, especially choreographed spin. Like I love Mm -hmm. the choreography of it all. I love hip hop music the dirtier and the ratcheter, ratchetier, <laughs> that word, the better. And I think I'll listen to hip hop until I die yeah. until I'm 80 years old. Um, I don't, and I just, I love dancing. I love mm-hmm. it. It's probably comes from my dance background. Mm-hmm. I love performing, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I definitely sure. have a little bit of an alter ego when I'm up on stage, but in a good um, way, I mean, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. In a good way. I mean, you're not a boot camp trainer, but you're, you make <laughs> us work. So in, in a way of motivating. Yeah, I've always us. kind of been known everywhere I go. Um, I've always been kind of known for the hardest mm-hmm. um, it's really or hard. the toughest <laughs> instructor. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like I have to live up to that. Um, but at the same time, yeah. like I want people to come to my classes and get their money's worth. Like you're there to, um, to work out, you mm-hmm. know, why not work your ass off? Yeah. 
You yeah, know, so, um, and I just kind of train people and take class or teach classes the way I would want to be sure. taught. Yeah. And the bottom line is because I genuinely just love it. Mm-hmm. How did you get into fitness for the most part from the very beginning? In the very beginning, I, I, went, I was actually taking classes at Orange Coast College and they had a fitness specialist program. And it was a two-year like um, certification program. So I went through that. I met the, the director of the PE department um, and I became very close. And I started working in the adapted PE department in Orange County, in, at Orange Coast College, which I was, I was working with and training um, paraplegics and quadriplegics and people with just physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. And then the director who I had become close with also owned a gym in Newport Beach and he offered me a job as a personal trainer. So I started working there. I worked there for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then I took a couple of breaks here and there. I took a, like a two year break to, I, I did behavioral therapy with autistic children, but then I, I mean, I just had to get back to fitness. So oh, I opened a Pilates studio in Newport Beach and mm-hmm. I opened and managed that. I um, taught there for about two years and then, um, but I had moved to Long Beach. I wanted to work closer to home. So then that's when I um, applied at John Gary and um, I worked at John Gary for fitness for six years. Yeah, where you and I met. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then on to Iconics and now I own my own studio. Absolutely. So, no, yeah. it's such a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> Sam, do you have any, I know you have notes there, so you're giving me that eye look. <laughs> <laughs> I do have notes. I, I guess from my perspective, because fitness is such a unique industry, you kind of have to figure things out on your own. Was it just your own like determination that kind of figured out those different paths for you to take? And then like the amount of work it takes to start your own business in the fitness industry and like build a brand and a name for yourself. And now it seems like to do it almost like twice or more if, if there's other events that you kind of have to draw your own clients in. But how how has that gone for you? What have been some of the struggles from like the business side of things and then what keeps you going and and motivated to just continually pushing because like you literally can't stop with you know your own business or fitness like you have to go Um, so what keeps you going forward too the hardest thing for me has been exactly the business side of it because Mm -hmm. you know i'm working 13 14 hour days Mm -hmm. i really haven't had time to build my brand or had Mm -hmm. time to do a lot of that stuff which is, it's a big goal for me in the next yeah, year no, to get that all done. And I might have to hire somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and as far as like building up a clientele and everything, I've kind of stayed in the same area. I'm just really lucky to have been able to get my name out there to a lot of people um, mm-hmm. and to be kind of, I don't mean, I want to sound arrogant, but you're not arrogant. well, <laughs> kind of well-known in the Long Beach area. Yes. You know? and- people have just kind of followed me from place mm-hmm. to place. And I'm really, really lucky for having such loyal clients. Absolutely. Yeah, but the business side of it, it gives me a headache every day. It causes me, <laughs> it causes me anxiety every day because I know there's so much that I need to do and I just don't have the time to do it. Yeah. Um, and when I do have the time to do it, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a procrastinator. <laughs> I'm just being totally honest. No, I mean, it's, it's funny because I'm smiling because every time Kelly and I hang out with I've only been in the fitness industry for not so long. So I know people and, and it's not self-congratulatory, Kelly. It's it's just a factual because whenever me and Kelly are together and we would walk around, it's guaranteed we're going to see someone either she knows or I know, but kind of know Kelly and vice versa. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It's almost <laughs> like, hey, you know, so it's, it's, it's a small community, but then it does show that when you make an impact on people's lives, they really follow, right? It's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 
definitely a trainer and a therapist at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and no, I mean, and in the business side of it, it's, it's. Well, even you, you keep offering to help me and keep pushing it away. But we'll do it. (laughs) We will do it. I don't want to. I I think, you know what? I think to be honest, that side Mm -hmm. um, is so hard for me because I'm scared of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I'm doing. No one does. You know, really. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just, I, I'm not good at it. And mm-hmm. I know, so I need, I just need help with it. And I need to welcome the help. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, to all our listeners out there, it, uh, Kelly, right? Like with what you say, it's, 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 you're, you're doing fantastic really. And, and I think you and I talk about this too. Like sometimes for us, it becomes like this is the raw conversation. It's like we're the worst critic of ourselves. Right? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, it's much bigger in my mind than it is anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So you know, like just shifting here a little bit. How do we like? How do you stay track in relates of the sobriety? You know, like what do we? Is there ways that you do in relates of you know how does Kelly keep herself on track? Is there alternatives that you do? Not alternatives, but I would say a new habit that you pick up. You know, being sober or I know fitness is a huge part of it, but mm-hmm. um, to all our listeners out there that's currently on the urge of maybe wanting help or trying to stay on track or on the fence, what would you tell them right now? But you cannot do it alone. Mm-hmm. You cannot do it alone. Um, you know, staying connected in mm-hmm. some sort of um, sobriety group is definitely the key, especially in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, I did, um, I was pretty involved with AA and I did 90 meetings in 90 days Hmm. and that really really helped Um, it helped me to form a habit it helped me to meet a lot of people in the program Um, helped me to share my story you know working the steps the 12 steps is definitely um, key or is key for me everybody's different Mm -hmm. but the 12 steps is definitely the um, key to freedom Mm -hmm. I would say Um, but now I honestly don't go to very many meetings, but I do stay in contact with one of my best friends is sober. I met her in AA. So we uh, talk a lot. We go on walks a lot. I do a lot of meditation. I, um, running, running is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Running, um, it clears my mind. It helps me to like, think of, think about what I need to do for the day. Helps me to talk to God and my higher power is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have done this without a higher power. There's no way. So um, I know everybody has their own view on that, but that is hugely important when trying to get sober is to know that there's something out there bigger than you. It can be anything. It can be your big toe, you know, Um, (laughs) but like, it doesn't have to be a a man, you know, it could be anything. It could be the ocean, but something greater than you that, you know, is out there helping you Mm -hmm. and pulling you out of this and something, somebody that's rooting for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No. Um, thank you, Kelly. That's Sam. Do you have any other questions that you want to address? I'm just curious as to what your, uh, meditation practice looks like. I've become pretty, pretty active in that myself over the last year and a half. So I'm just curious what that looks like for you. Um, sometimes it's better than others, but I usually, I usually have to listen to something. So Mm -hmm. I'll depends on how much time I have in the morning. Um, but I usually either use insight timer, which is an app or, um, calm. And I just sit there and listen to it and breathe into it. I do different kinds of meditations, um, a lot of, um, self-esteem type stuff Mm -hmm. and, um, grounding. I feel like I always need to be grounded. It's usually in the morning, right? 
in the first 10 minutes of me waking up, I'll get my coffee and then meditate. And sometimes I don't do it and I can feel a huge difference in my day mm-hmm. negatively. <laughs> no, I could, I could appreciate that. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you shared that because that's been the biggest takeaway for me too, is when I don't do it, mm-hmm. it, the effect on the rest of the day is super evident, totally. kind of scary totally. how clear that becomes, but, um, totally. yeah, no, that, uh, that was my curiosity there from, from your perspective. Cause I don't do much running anymore <laughs> as much as I should probably, but, uh, yeah, meditation is a huge part for me. So I really like that. Meditation is great. It's really life-changing. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and this doesn't have anything to do with meditation, but making my bed every single morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey. Something I learned in treatment, messy bed, messy head. So now if I don't <laughs> make my bed, I feel like I'm out of control all day long. I could relate to that. I didn't even go to, <laughs> to treatment. I just make sure I want to make sure the bed is made. It's just something with a crisp bed that's made. It almost like it starts your day right for some reason. Oh, right? since getting sober, I am very meticulous and like anally clean. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I've seen it too. Um, so just for, as we wrap up here, Kelly, what does Kelly do to like recharge and get her strength, you know, in relates to, I know being in front of people all the time, either one-on-one or class, how do you manage to, I know you said meditation. Is there any other areas that you do? I know you take a lot of classes, so be good talk about that and where you get your challenge i mean where you get your strength when all these challenging how do you make your your classes more challenging and not the same from yesterday you know so my classes yeah like as far as like just what inspires kelly like where does kelly recharge to be inspired and also where do you get your strength so when you're in front of people you are in your own um space um so meditation is one meditation um, taking other people's classes, definitely mm-hmm. for inspiration, making playlists. I love making playlists and I love, like I said, choreography and I'll listen to that playlist about 15 times. So I know it like the back of my hand when I'm teaching <laughs> to recharge. I read a lot mm-hmm. um, and I need my alone time. Nailed it. Yes. I need my alone time. <laughs> like, Cause I'm with like, you know, I'm with people all day long and you're giving so much of yourself all day long at the end of the day, like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't for want that. to talk to anybody. I don't want to text anybody. I just, you know, and on my days off, I feel kind of antisocial, but it's like, I just yeah. need that time. Yeah. And I'm a total, I'm a total introvert. I know. Nobody would know it. No but, one would yeah. ever know it if you go to Kelly's class, because <laughs> it's like, you know, she wild, you know, in a class. <laughs> Um, well, just closing it out, Kelly, I want to give you the open floor for probably a minute or two to really say what's, what's coming in your heart, from your heart, right? And also, what would you say to our listeners out there that I know you've tapped on this a little bit earlier, but I'd like to give you the floor and see and say what you wanted to say coming from your heart to everybody, right? To everyone yeah. else. Like, for anybody who's struggling, whether it be alcohol or drugs or whatever, um, a breakup, um, job loss, I don't know, just be vulnerable. Just find it in yourself to be vulnerable and to be honest and to just talk and try and stay connected. And it it is possible to change. I'm a firm believer that, I mean, people say people don't change, but they do. I mean, if you really put in the work 
and dive deep into yourself, you can change. Mm -hmm. You can have a change of perspective. You can have your entire life could change. You know, like I said, I was in a studio apartment alone drinking and downing pills. I could have died. And now I own my own studio and Mm -hmm. super successful. And Mm -hmm. I love my life. Yes. Yes. You know, so it is possible. Anything's possible. Just try not to lose hope. And, but the most important thing is vulnerability. You have Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable to change. Thank you, Kelly. That's really moving. And, and I, I agree with you 100%. It's almost like we can't turn ourselves to the world, even when we're angry, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot more, I mean, it's easier said than done, but to be really vulnerable opens, it's almost a gateway of everything of good things. So, yes, but, and honesty, honesty. Yeah. I got nothing. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. There's so much good things to take away from this, but I think at least two things I want to summarize from what you shared, Kelly, is that like you don't have to know everything to be a successful business owner for one and two, you can change. Like you just shared, that is so huge. I think we get stuck in a rut of, no, this is who I am. This is like what I do. And it's based around a lot of habits that we have for ourselves and like reaching out to get help from the right people, whether it's a habit of alcoholism or drug addiction, or if it's a habit of, you know, not making good decisions financially or not having a budget in place, like random things, all come down to bad or good habits. So I just want people to really understand like Kelly's a walking, talking example of (laughs) you don't have to know everything and you can put in the work to change and become as successful as you want to be. So just thank you for the vulnerability, Kelly. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you for joining us today. And really appreciate that time. Sam, I'll let you tell our listeners now. Absolutely. Well, as always, you can find us directly at alohafitsam at gmail.com or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Enroute to Success 365 or individually on LinkedIn at Fitz DeSanto or Sam Boyer. And of course, Kelly, we'd like to have you share where people can find you and potentially get in touch with you or even follow some of your content or maybe if they're in the area, take some of your courses or classes and just let them know where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah, um, you can um, find me on Instagram at Kelly Curtis Bloom, the last five, B-L-O-O-M. I'm also on Facebook. Um, and I also, um, I have my studio in Seal Beach. It's also called, also called Bloom. And I also teach at Grit Cycle. So if you follow at Grit Cycle um, for indoor cycling, you can find the schedule online there. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. I want to give a quick shout out to Howe's family, Adrian, Connor, Tony, and their dog, Buckley, who's Chili's litter mate, has been an avid listener to all our podcasts. So thank you guys for listening. So Kelly, we always end our session with or our podcast with things that we're grateful for. So today I'm really grateful for the sun because it's been rainy here for us. So how about you, Kelly? What's your... I'm grateful for meditation today, for sure. That's a good one. Sam, what's yours? Yeah, I I could echo the meditation, but I'm going to go with the the fitness industry because without it, we wouldn't even be having this conversation and I wouldn't have had my uh, interest in how this was going to go anyway, but it's kind of the reason you two met and the reason we're all here today. So really appreciative of it. That's a good one. All right, guys. And remember, even small victory is always, always to be grateful for. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Take care.